Hello, friends, and welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that will do anything for love, up to and including that. I'm Joe. I'll be joined shortly by Chris and David Kane, still in the uh, the lab. Long story, kind of boring. And we're continuing our pretty lengthy, pretty girthy exploration into 80s cautionary novel, Mazes and Monsters. Gonna teach you why Dungeons and Dragons is bad to do. Don't do it, because you will become a nerd. But before we get into that, I am going to remind you to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com where you can support us via Patreon and all of the other fun things that you can do. Also, feel free to like, subscribe, leave a comment on YouTube. We're trying to get those YouTube subs up because that helps us and it helps God. Thank you for listening and on with the show. She was small and tough and fearless and independent. Nobody messed with Kate. It was typical that when they chose which characters they would be, Kate had made herself Glacia the fighter. I hate that player that always plays the same character in every game. Yeah. JJ had been Freelick the frenetic of Glossomir, a sprite. They planned to continue being these characters this year, forever in fact, unless Until they, got they fucking died. That's right. He was the sprite with his flighty but wily ways, the scamp, the trickster. Can't catch me, can't hurt me, can't leave me because I'll disappear. Couldn't hurt a fighter either. But secretly, JJ knew that he and Kate were just the same. For under that armor she wore for the world, he had seen what no one else had been able to see. Seen it and loved it and loved her for it. Her frightened, vulnerable, wildly beating heart. Could build a drive-in movie theater with all this projection. (laughs) Nice. That was good. That was good. It was getting dark, and in the distance, he could see the lights coming on in the town of Pequod, illuminating the fast food joints and gas stations, the few cheap restaurants, and the giant billboards advertising exotic liquors and airplane escapes to Las Vegas or Chicago. I like exotic liquor. I like exotic liquors and Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Vegas. Listening to how this guy spends his free time, I don't think he plays enough D&D. I think he needs like, to do more of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. He wondered if this university was like most universities, and if the town was like most other <laughs> college towns. Spoiler alert, yes. Yeah. Like, college towns exist in some pocket dimension. They're all right. linked in some way. They're all the same fucking town. My personal experience with college towns was that uh, I find it quite enjoyable. There's kind of like a small town air, also a kind of undertone of vibrant life with the youth of people. I only went to one, so. Yeah, college towns can be cool. I used to enjoy hanging out in a college town, and I would definitely be cool with like, it's probably not how my life is going to go considering, but uh retiring in a college town we need to get a college on the moon yeah yeah moon university yo lunar university that sounds better to me we'll have to take it up with the moon duke yeah yeah but i bet he'd he'd be into it sure oh oh, real quick something i want to say we don't actually know if the moon duke is a he or she or what we've only communicated to the duke through the spire you know we don't know what it is sure sure it's true. Yeah, I I am sorry. I did not mean to assume the Moon Duke's gender. That was on me. I was thinking yeah. about that actually. Felt bad about it. Well, run it up the spire. We'll see. He wondered if this university was like most universities and if the town was like most other college towns. 
a small oasis of learning in the middle of larger towns that were all alike, surrounded by superhighways that led to similar towns and communities, where people led boring lives and looked out their car windows at billboard paintings that promised adventure. He felt much older than sixteen. He felt he had discovered a truth, and all of a sudden he felt lonely. Then he saw Kate. She was driving her brave little car, and when she saw him, and when she saw him, her face lit up in that enormous grin. She screeched to a stop, jumped out, and hugged him. JJ, carry your bags, lady. I was going to drive right up the steps. This is this how just kids shit? talk. No, but what? you'd have ripped your tires. I think you grew, what? she said. You want a knuckle sandwich? A what? I think you're deficient in old movies. What did you waste your time on all summer? Is Daniel back yet? This nope, dialogue JJ is said. Painful. We're the first. Oh, JJ, Kate said, glowing with joy. I really missed you guys. I'm glad to be back. The way that this dialogue is written, Joe, help affirm this for me. It sounds like the Mazes and Monsters movie was made about this book, but the book we are reading is the book written about the movie, so it's like a copy of a copy of a copy and so on. If you're saying what I think you're saying, I agree with you, and I think the reason for it is that it's adult writers trying to write in the voice of teenagers. Like, and... And many writers, in fact, can't, at least based on the things that we've read on this stupid show, pull that off. Would it be better to just be bland, like to have no flair to the dialogue than to try this and fail? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe if they just had like very functional dialogue that the characters are just saying what they need to say to forward the plot. Because yeah, this, this to me at least uh, has the vibe of an adult trying to write in the in the voice of a teenager right. and just not knowing how to do it <laughs> you know 10 years from this it would have been like hey <laughs> jim that's radical you want to ride my skateboard to the milkshake shop <laughs> you know it's it's that that same energy i don't i don't know it's hard to read out mm-hmm. loud right yeah no that's that's no good real wooden <laughs> yeah it's it's clunky Chapter 2. Kate Finch surveyed her new single room and decided she would like living alone. Last year, she'd had a roommate and had thought they'd share things, just like sisters. But her roommate had been withdrawn and cool, hiding her own troubles under an impenetrable mask. She was on the drugs. (laughs) She was not willing to share her innermost secrets with someone who just (laughs) randomly ended up assigned to her home. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. And now Kate was glad she wouldn't have to raise any expectations about things that weren't there. She'd done that too often in her life, and she'd learned. She unpacked her things hastily in a disorganized way because she was not the neatest person in the world, and made her bed with the sheets and antique patchwork quilt her mother had sent from home. A couple of family photos on the dresser, and she was set. A Polaroid shot of her mother, smiling, and her 15-year-old sister, Belinda, squinting against the sun. Their arms filled with Ah. their three cats and a dog, all mixed breeds, all named after the Marx Brothers. The garden of their large, airy house in the background. That was one picture. That is a lot of stuff in one picture. Again, it's it's someone who is of a much older generation trying to write for younger people. So they're all really enthusiastic, or or their families are someone who is very excited about things from the 40s and 50s. Am I weird for 
I, I think the Marx Brothers are pretty hilarious. Yeah, they're funny. No. The Three Stooges yeah. are also very funny. Yeah, yeah, that's good shit. Her father, in his new incarnation as a swinging single, his hair grown long, aviator sunglasses, a Perrier t-shirt, a size too large that still didn't hide his little pot belly, was in a photo by himself. His snapshot was several years old, and he wasn't single anymore, but Kate really wasn't up to installing that family picture yet. Her father had dumped them, her mother, sister, and herself, when he turned 40. He had been a normal, rather stodgy stockbroker, and suddenly he skidded into delayed adolescence, announced that his life was half over and he was going to die without ever having found out who he was, and went off to live in Mill Valley, where people were reputed to have a good time in their hot tubs and to partake of a free this is what we call energetic a, sex uh, midlife crisis. What is this book? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for my midlife crisis, I got married and got a house. Yeah. That's, that's what I did. I bought a home. Sounds and... wildly more stable than uh, dumping your family, running off to a hippie sex commune. <laughs> Whatever this is. <laughs> I mean, that's because I spent the first 40 years of my life running off to hippie sex communes. Right. Now I'm a dodgy stockbroker. <laughs> stockbroker. Stodgy dockbroker. That's me. You're stodgy dockbroker. <laughs> that is weirdly, that phrase is very David to me. I'm not, it just works for some reason. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Okay. I'll tell you who you are, her mother had called after him as he left. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. It's like Star Wars fucking dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing it was missing was, you're a asshole. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. Then she had cried. Kate did not cry at all. She knew someone had to be strong in that family, and it certainly wasn't her father who had fled, or her mother who was like some helpless, bewildered animal shot for sport, or her sister who was only a kid at the time and had wailed for a week. There goes Mr. Wright her mother said, her eyes misting over. Mr. Thinks he's right, Kate said. There goes Mr. Scrooge. How could he throw it all away? So what if her mother wasn't a sex object? She was a little overweight, and she never bothered with makeup, and she wore kind of old lady clothes. I don't see anything was... wrong with any of that. <laughs> yeah, right? But she was smart and warm-hearted and poetic, and she was a terrific mother. She would always listen, and she never intruded. Kate didn't want a young, sexy mother who tried to act like one of her children. She just wanted the one she had. But now, Kate realized that all the years she'd thought she was having a perfect childhood, it had been a lie. There was no Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, like... Yeah, it's just thing, just change happens. It doesn't invalidate the past. Right, right, yeah. No, guys, she wasn't playing D&D as a kid. That's the problem. Okay. That was the problem, yeah. Now that she's found mazes and monsters, <laughs> she has purpose for her life. Her father wasn't a sex shop. <laughs> her father wasn't a sex shop. <laughs> her father wasn't a sex object either. She's not Electra. But he was the one who left and found adventure. She understood intellectually why her father wanted a new life. She really did but she would never be able to understand it in her heart. She felt betrayed. She never intended to get married. She wanted to be a famous writer. She was majoring in creative writing, but in the middle of last year after her first great love left her, and the incident in the laundry room happened, and things started piling up on her, she began to get writer's block. Now she was thinking of changing her major to English Lit so she wouldn't flunk out. She hadn't tried and tried to analyze her problem, 
and she had finally decided it came from the fact that she really hadn't lived yet. How could you write about things you didn't know? She was only 18. She had a drawer full of lugubrious half-finished stories with titles like City of Heartbreak and Children of Pain, which she was ashamed to show to anybody. We've all been there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, with titles, <laughs> titles like seen. that, keep those in your dresser, honey. I mean, again, we've... We've all been there. You, know, you say that like I haven't left that yet. <laughs> she couldn't reveal herself in real life, but worse, she couldn't even reveal her feelings in her stories. How could she ever be a writer if she wasn't willing to get hurt by criticism and rejection? I feel so seen. <laughs> half the time she didn't know what she felt, and the other half of the time she wondered who would care anyway. She felt ignorant of all the secrets of real life. Being young was like being in a trap. You could try as hard as you could, but you couldn't get out there where the real action was because you weren't strong enough. Can we stop Something had the, to develop. the story about mazes and monsters and just turn it to this lady's focus of trying to become a writer? This is way more interesting. We're just learning the characters here. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I'm saying that her, like, her character and like the stuff that she's coming up with is like, can we just forget? I'd rather talk about her than JJ, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely think Kate greater than JJ. <laughs> um, something had to develop like a muscle. And she thought what that was, was maturity. That was one of the reasons she had fallen into the game so easily. What? Embracing the fantasy of the mazes and her own character of Glacia the fighter with such enthusiasm. It was like really being in a story. And you weren't on trial because you didn't have to write it down to get a good mark. You had to be cautious every minute to save your life, to advance in the unknown places, to risk and seize and fight. And it made her feel exuberant. I remember that one time Joe advanced in my unknown places. Oh, yeah. I've remember times that you and I have and Kane have advanced in Joe's unknown places. Mm -hmm. It's true. All together with his wife. Yeah, yeah. To the sound of the monstrous clock. <laughs> <sighs> God, we're weird. Yep. It's a really, really sexy way to describe Dungeons and Dragons, though. It's true. She looked at her watch. It was three hours earlier home in San Francisco, so her mother would just be getting back from law school. She'd made Kate promise to call as soon as she arrived safely at her dorm. Kate didn't know any other mother who would let her daughter drive across country all by herself, and in truth she had been terrified the entire way, which was why she had done it. Kate always did things that frightened her, so she would get over them. I like Kate. Windows up. Yeah, I like Kate too. Yeah, we could hang. Windows up, doors locked, radio on, eyes boring straight ahead, Remembering that she was very good in karate in case she needed to defend herself, teeth clenched so tightly her jaws cramped, and not even aware of it until she saw the sign that said, Welcome to Pequod, Keep Our City Clean, and she realized she could hardly open her mouth. Damn, that's intense. Yeah. Good job, Kate. I have driven a long way to go to college. I like If you're in a car and you're driving fast and someone tries to like harm you, you can just run them over. Yeah, but also there's just the anxiety of being like, think about it's 1979. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I we're think. not too far removed from like the Zodiac Killer. And, you know, you're traveling the highway system from California to the East Coast somewhere. Right. Pequod. I don't know. I don't remember if they said what state it I is. I think Pennsylvania, actually. That's right. it, it sounds yeah. like it would be in, in the New Englands, but I don't think it is. Also, I, still, I can't from, think yeah. back you know. to the 1970s. I was born in the 90s. No, but I mean, in 1979, 
no cell phones. Right. There are stretches of the country where you are just out of contact. And if you disappear, no one will know. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not unheard of for people to just vanish. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now now I see. Yeah, I I gotcha. Thank you. Right. The phone she'd ordered had been installed. She hoped nobody had been there before her and run up a bill. You never knew what people would do. She dialed home. Hi, Mom. I'm here. Her mother was sounding really happy these days. Ever since she'd gotten her head together and gone to law school to make her own life. And got heavily into speed. (laughs) And Kate left so she didn't have that hanging over her Right, yeah. How was the trip? Fine, Kate said casually. You did have enough money for the motels. Oh, sure. I knew you would. I don't want you to be so cheap with yourself, Kate. I ought to be glad. I'm lucky. Most kids your age are spendthrifts. But I worry if you don't eat decently and I I want you to have a good time. Your father is not going to cut off the alimony until I get a job. Yeah, when I was in college, you know, you best believe I was impulse buying all the time. I mean, that's what, to me, like, there's nothing that goes together like teenagers and frugality. (laughs) Yeah, especially, you know, their first time not being constantly under the thumb of of their parents or guardians. Right. With with unrestricted access to their own finances. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows that those people just can't find anything to spend their money on. No. Oh no, I I was being sarcastic in the other direction. I I like I wasn't impulse buying stuff because I didn't have very much money. Right. Sure. Right. Well, that's because you were spending it stupidly on any time on things anytime you had it. Just ask a <laughs> conservative Republican; they'll tell yeah. you. <laughs> that's a lot to unpack in in that conversation. <laughs> A lot of ideas got thrown around in a really short span of time. Yeah, we just threw something in a blender there. Yep. That's a uh, ideological smoothie what just happened. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's what he says. Her mother chuckled. Ha 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 Don't you worry. By then I'll be a lawyer and I'll take him to court. Listen, did you know you forgot your skis? Yeah, I left them on purpose. Why? Because I they're didn't have silly much time to practice. ski last year. This year will be worse. Tell Belinda she can use them. Kate, are you saving me money again? No, I just don't feel like skiing this year. How could she explain to her mother about the game? How it took so much time? It was just too complicated. Her mother would start to worry that she was neglecting her studies. When I think how much you wanted those skis and how much they meant to you. Mom, just be glad I didn't have my heart set on a horse. I'd kill you, her mother said, laughing. Listen, I've got to go now. This is long distance. I'll call you soon. Love you. Goodbye. She hung up and after carefully locking her room, went down the hall to find out if Daniel had arrived yet. I like Kate's mom, too. (laughs) I mean, sure, yeah, they're uh, Stepford people when they speak, but it's... Yeah. (laughs) I just just like the aspect of, like, after all this stuff's happened and, like, she decides she's going to become a lawyer. So she went back to college. That's that's cool. I'm going to go be a lawyer so I can sue the fuck out of my (laughs) ex-husband. That's kind of (laughs) awesome. That's an act three turn right there. That's a power move. (laughs) His door was open and she poked her head around the sill. He looked up and smiled, happy to see her. Kate thought how much Daniel looked like John Travolta. He was probably the best looking guy in the dorm and he wasn't even conceited. If only they could afford to get him in the movie. Out of these characters, which part did tom hanks the crazy one and it's glorious Yeah, the one that that we haven't met yet that that goes off the rails because of mazes and monsters spoiler alert and it's amazing it's been a long time since i saw the movie there's blood on my knife (laughs) 
I love that joke a Spoonie made about that. Mm. Like, there's gun. There's, there's blood on my gun blade. <laughs> we should watch Mazes and Monsters. That'd be fun. It would. Six feet tall, a great body, bright blue eyes, dark hair, an incredibly sexy mouth. And besides that, he was a computer genius who would probably make a million dollars when he graduated, working for one of the companies that would be competing for him. She had never been able to figure out why Daniel had decided to come to a school like Grant when he could have gone to Stanford or MIT. Maybe he wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. He got all A's without any seeming effort, as if he was just treading water here. Women were crazy about him, but that didn't make him conceited either. She was lucky to have him for a friend. She wasn't sure she could handle him any other way. He's a big man. He is a big man. Why Why is that coming back? <laughs> you got away from it for a while. You can't ever fully escape the big man. I guess not. You know, do you think maybe it's because how most people people perceive themselves, like this is my average height, so every person that is average is going to feel this way, and... Everyone has seen someone that's taller than they are and like, oh, that's a variety of a person. So if you're making characters that are a variety, there's always going to be the big person. Maybe just because it's it's a way to differentiate them from the other characters. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of the things that we read when it comes up that, you know, so-and-so was a big man and they specifically use that verbiage mm -hmm. that carries some weight with it that is like you know this person is supposed to take up more room in the scene sure that makes sense um where the fuck was i uh, way oh, yeah. up your butt way up your butt hey he said when did you get here just now she walked in and looked around daniel's new room i mean that's a lie she got here called her mom you could at least fucking tell him that. What? No truth between you? <laughs> Fuck. I can't Honestly, even trust you anymore, Kate. Oh, man. We have to go back to the island, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening again. She walked in and looked around Daniel's new room. He was putting his things away. He had already taped up four gorgeous ecology posters from the Sierra Club, and they did a lot to brighten the dingy beige walls. Uh-huh. On the floor was a row of brand new track lighting waiting to be installed, and he had even brought a large plant. Who installs? I mean, I, I know it was the late seventies, early eighties. Track lighting was a was a thing, but who installs lighting in in temporary housing? Like, I'm gonna live here for a semester, maybe a year. Yeah, let me put this lighting up. I mean, the shit was cheap. That was the whole point of it. Sure. And so you just get it and put it up to install extra and. He's rich, whatever, you know, he's, this is his flex. That's fair. Besides, one of the best, speaking of college towns, uh -huh. for real, at the end of the semester, or just before the end of a semester, go to a college town and trash pick. Holy yeah. shit. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on, JJ, Kate said. Are you reading that degrading shit? She made a grab at his magazine, and he pulled it away from her. Yeah, fuck that. Read more maze monster fucks. <laughs> you bet I am, JJ said. Naked women, Kate said. Exploitation. Oh, shit. I'm into voluntary celibacy this year, JJ oh, said. Oh, no. I just want to remember what I'm missing. What? Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. Uh, Real quick, coming from an alcoholic point of view, like, I'm not drinking anymore. I just have this open beer next to me so I can smell it to remember what I'm missing. 
Hey, he's not fucking other people doesn't mean he can't jerk it. Yeah. In fact, he's almost certainly going to. I mean, he'd have to, right? Yeah. I think that uh, if you don't, you go like it you puts you at a higher risk of becoming irrational. Well, yeah, that and uh like it's probably healthy for your prostate. Oh yeah, sure. well, to like yeah, you, it's definitely healthy for your prostate to uh have an orgasm at least a couple of times a week. No, yeah. daily it, it, like, if you can. Like, you, really good. Yeah, I think 22 times a month was the last statistic that I heard. The last that Something I read, that, it was once per day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's ideally if you can get there. Right, yeah. So, uh, everybody at home? <laughs> Prostate holders. Just say come. Like, build your J.O. crystals, yo. <laughs> it's a bodily function. Just do it. And relax. Yeah. Don't make a big deal about it. Relax. Just do it. Yeah. And just when be responsible about it. To clean it. up after yourself. All that nonsense. Yeah. Don't do it in public. Exactly. Or around anyone who doesn't want to see you do it. Yeah, yeah. And ask first, never assume. This has been your public service announcement. For masturbation. <laughs> I do think it's very funny that we, in the first couple pages, were like, JJ is totally going to be an incel in 30 years. Yeah. And, and apparently he's an incel now. <laughs> we no, no, he's not an years. involuntary celibate. He oh, is a voluntary yeah. That's celibate. True. That's where it starts. He's a wholesale. That's where it starts, okay? He's a MGTOW. <laughs> He's a Decepticon. (laughs) 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 Well, you won't see anybody who looks like that at this school, Daniel said. Come on, Kate said. You're an ingrate. I think I'm going to join JJ, Daniel said. Voluntary celibacy. I want to be a virgin when I get married. Why? You're about 200 times too late, Kate said tartly. She wondered why her tone had come out more hostile than she'd meant it to be. Because he's an asshole? Daniel was her friend, not her lover. And she didn't care what he did. She looked at him carefully to make sure he wasn't offended, but he wasn't. He wasn't (laughs) flattered either. He just accepted it as part of the teasing and they all gave to each other. Enough of this filthy, disgusting sex talk, Daniel said. Sit down and let's get to serious business. We need a new player. (laughs) Shut up, Debbie. Play the game. (laughs) You have sex in the game. You have sex for real. (laughs) (laughs) I know, Kate said glumly. She sat next to JJ on the bed. Maybe we should put up a notice on the bulletin board, JJ said. Along with the gay rights meetings in the science club. Wanted. Amazes and monsters freak who can play at the third level and promises neither to fink out nor flunk out. Is that a commentary? No, I think, I mean, it's, it's just a commentary on... What happens at colleges, but it's not. No, like like the author's like this satanic thing. It's going to go up next to the homosexual oh, stuff. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, also the science club, you see. Gay rights and the science club. And yeah. mazes and monsters. Yeah, that's either very loaded or just completely innocuous. And uh, yeah, there's that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I do wonder what the uh, significance of that was meant to be. I hate to get a stranger, Kate said. Who's what? going to room Isn't with that where you sit on your hand until it falls asleep? <laughs> <laughs> and the, eventually it becomes the tingling. Yeah, yeah. The other two nodded. The rooms were small, big enough for one person, but apt to be unpleasantly crowded for two. With two beds and two desks and two dressers and two chairs in one of these rooms... The occupants would have to pick their way around the furniture or suffer bruised shins. They had decided to keep the bookcases in their game room, but it wouldn't be much help. First, let's get the player, and then we'll worry about living arrangements, said Daniel. I spent the whole summer working out the new maze. 
It is without a doubt the most stupendous, mystifying, horrifying maze ever invented. And what's in it will blow your mind. <laughs> There's sex in it. It's a gelatinous cube! The <laughs> <laughs> mind flare. Okay. It is without a doubt the most stupendous, mystifying, horrifying maze ever invented. And what's in it will blow your mind. Kate shivered. She could see it already. The dark tunnels that so terrified her. The creatures that could be friend or foe. Is it okay if I put up a notice? JJ asked. Why not? Daniel said. None of us have any other friends. Maybe somebody's bored with the game they're in and wants to seek new thrills with a new band of adventurers. It's a weird place to, right. to cut that chapter. Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like it was trying to be ominous, like maybe other. I, I think it was, but like, yeah, it, it's so lighthearted in reality. Like, yeah, it's just friends talking about the game they're gonna play. Real quick, I want to say that the story stuff. JJ is a douchebag, but like Kate's story and all that. Whenever this book wasn't talking about mazes and monstros, I was mm-hmm. kind of into it. I think that's by design as well. You're supposed to like these people. Right. No, but to I, empathize with how uh, it could happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. This game is dangerous. It becomes an obsession that will yeah. drive you to kill. And, and they come from just sort of emotionally troubled enough backgrounds that when things start happening to them, or even the fact that they're so, like, clearly they're playing mazes and monsters to escape their real life, right. which honestly I think is a healthy exercise generally. Like, there's nothing inherently wrong with any kind of hobby or activity that allows you to get your mind out of the dark places of the real world that you occupy. I went to a signing with Neil Gaiman one time. Oh, and that rules. Uh, I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah. During his speech, he said uh, somebody had accused certain authors of being writers of nothing more than escapism. Mm -hmm. And he said in response to that, that uh, the only person who should be opposed to escapism is a jailer. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And I really like that. Mm -hmm. But I think the book is trying to, and I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to ascribe too much motive to this writer, but we already kind of know what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to paint that as, as a bad thing to want to do. The point that I'm making, though, is if this was a book about Kate and her college adventures, I'd be into it. I want to know how Kate deals with college. I don't know how much I would care if it was just Kate goes to college. Like, I could see using Kate as a character in a more interesting book. Sure. I'd read the story of Kate coming from her home life to mm-hmm. college yeah that could be a book all on its own yeah in the hands of a good writer that could be a very interesting story yeah so it's like introducing you to kate and then it just nose dives into the mazes and monsters plot right like a harpoon into a fleshy mass it's just now we're stuck here not going anywhere mm-hmm. with this but yeah like as a you know as a breakfast club or whatever i i don't hate the aside from jj being unlikable yeah he's just that kind of guy yeah like, I, I don't hate these characters. So in that sense, the writer is kind of doing their job. Right. Because you want to like these characters when bad things start happening to them. Also, in terms of the writing, it's not like poetic, but it's for me, it's getting the job done. Sure. The author, um, it's a very journalistic style. Yeah. You know, is the author a, a 
from a journalism background? Uh, I don't know. While Joe was looking that up, would you guys like to know a fun fact about the potential idea of where D&D started? Um, sure. <clears throat> the first recorded incidents of D&D-style sort of thing happened in a war game group. Oh, yeah. Because that was basically the D&D before there was D&D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chainmail. Yeah. So there was the referee and then two guys, you know, controlling pieces on a war gaming board or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And kissing. Yes. And there was one particular game that was going very boringly. So the the referee just said like, uh, you lose because it, I think it was like a wizard riding an elephant came in and cast a spell on all your guys and they're dead. <laughs> like he, he, he just threw something out like that. That's fun. And I forget how that connects to Gary Gygax, but uh, I think, I, I don't remember if there was a connection or if it's just that was the first instance of like introducing fantasy into a combat game. Um, but to answer your question, yes, Rona Jaffe was heavily involved in journalism as well. Cool. Yeah. It reads that way. Yeah. It's, I like her style. I do. Yeah. The, the dialogue is, Awful. is a little bit <laughs> it's, it's not great. I mean, it gets the job done. It... No, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't feel like how people talk to each other. No. Whenever no, there's dialogue, I don't hear people talking. I hear this lady writing. <laughs> Just words on a page. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to read out loud. I could probably do something with that if I wasn't doing a cold read. Right. But Jesus, that dialogue does not flow. No, it's it's very clunky. It, it is very much like Star Wars dialogue. Sure. For real. Like <laughs> nobody can say this shit, George. <laughs> we might have to come back to this next week because hmm. I kind of want to get to the part where it goes off the rails. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, let's come back next week and maybe get back into it because I'm having fun with mazes and monsters. Yeah, I think we could pull four episodes out of this. Table. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess that's a good place to. To at least pause. Does anybody else have any commentary about mazes and or monsters? I mean, I I think it's fascinating. Like, we're at a point now where just in general, like, D&D is having a renaissance, you know? Yeah, yeah. Specifically it, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's, it's literally really more big. popular than it's ever been. Yeah. And uh, I think that's very interesting. And the difference in what it says culturally, what, 50 years later? Yeah. 40 years later, you've got people who... I mean, you can put D&D on your resume. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard of people doing this. They don't go, they don't flat out say it. But yeah, pro tip, if you're writing your resume, the fact that you and your friends successfully gathered together for a uh, problem solving experience using a creative thinking and mathematics mm-hmm. to resolve differences, particularly if you were the guide of that particular conversation. Yeah. You can spin that really yeah, well on disagree. a resume. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, why not? It's something you're doing, and uh, if nothing else, it'll get the interviewer to ask you what it is, and then you know, that's more conversation that you get to have with them. Right. And the the very fact that there is such a thing as a fucking celebrity dungeon master. Yeah. Love it or hate it, but that's what Matthew Mercer is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I thought you were gonna go with. Uh, uh, Matt Colville? No, the 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 McElroy's, the Riddick guy. Which one? Who? Oh, Vin Diesel. Oh, Vin Diesel. Yeah. No, he's a celebrity player. Like Joe Manganiello, I think also would fall into yeah. celebrity player, not necessarily celebrity DM. And they became famous from becoming famous, not because right. 
that whereas you know your your Matt Mercers and your to a lesser extent your McElroys became famous from playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and I, and I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I have to say it. Vin Diesel is just a white uh, Dwayne Johnson. Um, I'm not sure that I don't believe that Vin Diesel is purely white though yeah i don't i don't think um, like, I, I haven't researched yeah. it's a, it's a, they're not the same person though Vin no Diesel they're very and different. the rock would be fun in a movie together and i would watch it i think they've been in fast and the furious oh they've definitely together. yeah i don't i don't follow that franchise i haven't even though everybody says movies. it's super fun they're not after you thing. get past the third one sure like it becomes much more of a purely on on their aesthetic bald right. muscly yeah. <laughs> they kind of have like stern expressions right so i don't know if you guys knew this but there was a rumor back in the day um like in the early 2000s the early noughties <laughs> that uh vin diesel was gay mm-hmm. and i was very disappointed when i found out that that wasn't true mm-hmm. apparently I, I i mean i don't know one way or the other nor do i actually care but i always thought it would have been awesome and i still think it would be awesome to see Someone like Vin Diesel playing an action star who is just openly gay. Yeah, definitely. And it's not a big deal. It's it, not yeah, like it, it was a just, plot point or a right. th- big thing made of it. It's just one just, aspect of the character. Yeah, I yeah. can see that being cool. Yeah, I want to live in that world. Yeah. But instead, I'll live in the world of mazes and monsters. I thought you were going to say that it would be awesome to give Vin Diesel an orgasm. It, I mean, I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I guess that's all we can do. I here. guess I guess we're done here. Yeah, I guess I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you liked any of that, don't forget to go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com and you can support us on Patreon. You can jump into our funky fresh discord, which again, we're we're trying to be very, well, not very, I guess, but at least more active in. So there's a decent chance that one of the four brainworms will probably say something eccentric and and unsettling at you but if you're into that kind of thing then then definitely jump in there and say hi thank you for listening and we're really sorry for what we just put you through we're sorry sorry so sorry this has been a production of brainworms presents any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review Brainworms podcast is David Combs, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is Hodgepod Number no. 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at wegiveyoubrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app. Just say come. Roar! Roar!